Jocelyn Ponciano. And I'm Samantha Tomlinson. And this is that good old Disney podcast. Yay! (laughs) All right. Yay, we are doing it. All right. We are are here. This is the first. So what are we talking about today, Josie? We are talking about the man himself, Walt Elias Disney. (gasps) You mean Walt Disney? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. He 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 had quite a life and quite a career. Like I'm not like like I don't know. He he did a lot even before he was what we know 100%. him. 100%. He to be. had quite a start <laughs> and quite a life. Oh yeah, for sure. Walt Disney was born on December 5th, 1901, as Walter Elias Disney in Chicago, Illinois. His parents were Elias, an Irish-Canadian, and Flora Call, a German-American, and he was one of five children. So Herbert, Raymond, Roy, and Ruth. And Roy, I think most people know, was he was part of the Disney company, and they were they're kind of partners for a while. He was one of, obviously... You know, and uh, in 1906, when they were when he was four, the family moved to a farm in Marceline, Missouri. I think this is where they had like an uncle. They had a relative or something, someone, something, someone who like had some <laughs> land and they just moved there. And this is kind of yeah. where he started getting interested in drawing, which is, yes. which is what he got started in. Um, I think most know. people over like when they think of Disney, like a lot of people don't remember that he was an artist. Yeah. That's how a lot of, that's how like, uh, like even like Seth MacFarlane, for example, was kind of the same way. That's how he said he got into writing was through animation. It's, it's a animation. And this is, again, this is pre animation or this is like, yeah, this is pre animation. Oh, yeah. This is this just is way before. before. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, this is just, just before, or just after, I don't remember what your motion pictures, not like full hardcore features, but like shorts. I don't remember exactly what year, but this was around that uh, time when the talkies were starting to become a major mainstream thing. <laughs> the talkies, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting into the, the, the sway of things. The sway of things. <laughs> One of the moving pictures. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. But Walt was an artist. That's that's his core and butter. Yeah. It's what he was. Yep. Uh and he apparently was paid to draw a horse that belonged to a retired doctor in his neighborhood. And he practiced drawing by copying a lot of the like front page cartoons of a newspaper, which I think at one point we all went through that phase. I mean, he's an artist, so it's different. But like, you know, like you, 
you copy or you hand draw something or you, you realize you start drawing and then you trace things and realize, oh, wow, this is a thousand times better. <laughs> well, I'm really bad at just freehanding things. I'm pretty sure I, I remember my fifth grade class, we, it's like fifth graders got to draw, like a, it was like a contest. You got to draw uh, the picture that was going to be on like the school like phone book of like everyone's school's number yes i did do that in elementary school yes. oh my gosh yes and i drew the statue of liberty holding a phone instead of a torch and i mean it was it looked it was fine like it was <laughs> decent i i was pretty proud of it but i realized i should have drawn the school mascot but i'm pretty um. sure the guy that won he <laughs> drew he just traced the map i think that's they i didn't really care they just want something that looked good and he traced the mascot from like the previous phone book, which I don't think I considered doing because I think I would have thought that was cheating, which technically it, it is. Was. <laughs> it wasn't. I don't know, but I still, I was still defeated. And I was like, well, mine was original. They weren't, they weren't ready for my, <laughs> they my weren't art. ready for you yet, Sam. It's okay. No, <laughs> no, it's okay. And they're still not. Cause I'm not the best oh. drawer. And that, mm, I'm okay. that's when I mean, Sam quit being yeah. an artist. Her dreams were crushed. <laughs> Actually, I wanted, it's funny, I wanted to be, I wanted to be, I mean, I do, not to be a douche, I do consider myself an artist, I'm, I, I mean, I write, I'm creative, I definitely consider myself an artist, but when I was, like, four, I really, I said artist, I wanted to be a painter, mm. you know, I was four, so, of course, it all mm. looked terrible, and then, and then, and then I wanted to be a hairdresser, then I wanted to be a teacher, then I wanted to be an actress, and then I realized I love film, and then I realized I was a writer, and then I realized, oh, I am an artist. My four-year-old self. Full it all circle. Came back. <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yes. So in 1911, uh, the family moved from Kansas City, Missouri. At, or no, they moved to Kansas City from Marceline to Kansas City. And this is when he started taking weekend classes at the Kansas City Art Institute. And then I guess in 1917, the Disney's moved back to Chicago and Walt went to McKinley High School, and he was a photographer and cartoonist, mainly drawing, like, patriotic pictures for his school newspaper. And he was... For World War One. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're actually... This is... Or, the, yeah, uh, getting there. So, uh, so <laughs> this is... He was also taking classes at Chicago Academy of Fine Arts. And in 1918, so a year later, he did try to join the Army to fight in World War One, And... He was 16, yes. obviously was rejected because he was so young and he ended up forging his age on his birth certificate so he could join the Red Claw, Red, the Red, Water Claw, Rebel. The Red, Red Cross, Cross <laughs> as an ambulance driver. And he went to France, but this was just after, this was like, this was pretty much right, right in the end. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, he, I mean, obviously didn't do any like probably didn't see he probably just like the remnants of battle um and he was still drawing and he even got published in the army newspaper and in 1919 he went back home to kansas city and this is when his he really kind of obviously i think he had realized a little bit of what he wanted to do he got a job at the pessman rubin commercial art studio as an apprentice artist and he befriended fellow oh. artists uh, of iWorks, who would stay my favorite part? Yeah, who would st you knew where I was going with this? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so of iWorks would stay with him for a long time, 
and he would eventually, they would go on to design Oswald, the lucky rabbit and Mickey, but obviously that's way down the line. And this is kind of, yeah, this is, but this is the, the start yeah. of a really beautiful thing. Yeah. If you think about it. it that's the thing. That's, that's so crazy. It's like they, I mean, they had no idea. He still didn't really know exactly what he wanted to do. He just knew he loved drawing and cartoons and art, which. Yes. And <laughs> I just love this so much. Yeah. Like their beginning. Cause you will, we'll soon get into that. He just stays by his side. It's yeah. It's um, yeah. I will. They do eventually have a falling out. I don't know if I wasn't, nothing really showed up. I didn't also of my own fault. I didn't check. I probably will during this if they ever did reconcile, <laughs> but they did eventually have a falling out. But uh, Ub did stay with him for a for probably one of the worst periods of time that the Disney's went through. That that did yes. Walt Disney himself and Roy went through. Uh, but we will we will get there. Yeah, we and, will get there. Yes. <laughs> and so so he, yeah, they met. <laughs> they met. Yeah, this is early uh, 1920, and they were laid off from their company and decided to go into business for themselves at the iWorks Disney commercial artists, which, which was their own company, which I gotta say iWorks Disney was like, right. That's just, that's just like a weird way to say like, I mean, I know this is pre Disney, but like iWorks, iWorks Disney. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. It's like, what do you like? Tell you, asking like a, like a three-year-old, like, like, I don't know. I, iWorks Disney. Um, anyway. <laughs> oh, this is classic, like, I did the work, I also want my name on the project. Yes. <laughs> it's like, F- my <laughs> name sounds better. Yeah, but I did it, so can we put my name in the project? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I also, I want to be first. So, just, yeah. Just mm-hmm. putting that out me there. First. We're not doing alphabetical I mean, anything. It doesn't really, I feel like that part of it, I'm, I'm trying to think, Disney like, Disney Works. Disney iWorks does sound does sound better because iWorks sounds is like iWorks like iWorks here like that sounds like a word I mean a a horribly grammatical (laughs) error word but still a word so uh, yeah it should it would sound better if it was Disney (laughs) iWorks but again it doesn't really matter spoiler alert this company is not gonna (laughs) last spoiler alert Literally, my next note is as uh, their business wasn't doing well, and well, Disney. So Disney ended up leaving uh, for the Kansas City Film Ad Company, and just you know to make more money, obviously because they weren't really making that much money. And iWorks eventually joined him, and this was the company when Walt became interested in animation, and they primarily used cutout animation, and he at home would is experimenting with the camera and he realized cell animation, which is hand drawn. So like the first, like pretty much up until, you know, the last 10 years, Mm -hmm. everything was hand drawn. I mean, that before computers, but like it was still that design. Um, So cell animation was the, was way better than cutout. And his boss wouldn't switch to cell. So Walt left and opened another business with his with his friend Fred Harmon, who was another cartoonist. And Walt and Fred created cartoons for a Kansas City theater called Lafograms. And Lafograms was 
really successful and was successful enough that Walt was able to get a studio. And yeah, this was because I think most people just think he created Mickey and that was it. It was like, no, no, no. Like, no, no. He had a career before that. Like, it was, it was a, he had many a career. But I think what I, he just, he did every, he, uh, there was a bump in the road. He kept going or started over. And yeah, he just, he just kept going. He knew what he wanted to do. And I, I have so much respect for that. Because uh, some people quit and do something else. <laughs> yeah. He got knocked down so oh, many Oh, boy, times. yeah. Yeah. Like, to the point where I think the normal person would have given up way before, like, even laughograms, honestly. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, by th- I mean, I mean he, by this point, he is still, like, young enough that he's probably not beaten down quite yet. Oh yeah, like that, I mean, people need to remember this is he's only twenty by Laughograms. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only twenty years old. <laughs> yeah. So, and at Laughograms, they created a fairy tale series, and it was a combination of am- animation and live action. It was based off Alice in Wonderland, but it was called Alice in Cartoonland. And so, Alice was a little girl, and she was live action, and obviously everything else is hand drawn. So, kind of like. Uh, Mary Poppins, Ben Knobs and Broomsticks, where there are those scenes where everyone else is live action, but everything else is animation. animation. And uh, those were so uh, those were eventually went on to be really successful. But when it first started, they were Lapogram Studio was in a lot of debt and went to, uh, mm-hmm. had to declare bankruptcy. And in 1923. With his $40 and his Alice cartoon, Walt went to Hollywood. And he temporarily lives with his uncle, who was the one, like, that was the fam- his family the, moved the family to his with land. The farm back in yes. um, Marceline, Kansas. Missouri. Oh, no. Yes. So the, it's M- Missouri. Missouri. Marceline, Missouri, then, or Chicago, Marceline, Missouri, then back to Chicago, then Kansas City. <laughs> so, yeah, many, yeah. so many things to keep yeah. up with. Uh, so his his uncle Robert and he was living in the area mm-hmm. and Walt fun fact Walt could see the it was Hollywood land at the time he could see that sign from the house what and a view. he <laughs> I know right my sister went to LMU Loyola Marymount and it's a I mean it has a really great film program she was a minor in film but anyway that's a side <laughs> point she uh no that's just a that wasn't why she went there that just she decided to while she was there but anyway my parents kept saying oh yeah and oh you can see the ocean from there and you can see the hollywood sign you could sort of see barely see it the hollywood sign you could see it it wasn't like an amazing like oh wow it's right there like it was kind of off to the right (laughs) and then the ocean was like a speck (laughs) like i'm like i wouldn't really call it an ocean view but sure ocean i mean try really hard and a view yeah your clothes i always think of from Hannah Montana when oh. <laughs> Lily, they were, it was when she broke, ruined Jackson's mm-hmm. baseball and she's like, it's not that bad, right? And Lily's like, if you shut one eye the other and eye. then shut the other eye, it's perfect. Uh, I think of that all the time. Like That I, is my go-to <laughs> quote for most um, things. Um, so Walt spent his time writing to distributors for, for the Alice cartoons and he got in contact with Margaret J. Winkler who was a New York uh, distributor. She was showing some interest and 
he, the demo reel was half done. So he finished it. He created a camera rig out of uh, milk crates and lumber and just shot the drawings in his uncle's garage. And October 15th, 1923, uh, Margaret J. Winkler offered Disney $1,500 for each of his six films and $1,800 for another six. And Walt contacted Virginia Davis. She was the one that played Alice, asked her and her family to move out to Hollywood. And he even invited iWorks to join them. And then Roy Disney, who his brother, who was recovering from tuberculosis, he checked out of the hospital. Yeah. And on October 16th, 1923, the brothers stated uh, the, they created the Disney Brothers cartoon studio. And that's like, that's the first Disney company. The first. The first. But the whole tuberculosis thing, I was like, oh man. Like, yeah, that's, I, I think that's why he like, went to LA or like Hollywood. that was one of the reasons like yeah. he I think wanted to go out and then it was just like his brother it, there was his brother was recruit recuperating and his uncle was there like there were solid reasons for him to go even if he wasn't trying oh, yeah. to make a career in animation yeah um yeah well I think his first choice was New York I th- oh oh he was originally well, right? I think uh New York animation it was bigger in new york but yeah he he had outgrown that he was outgrown i because i don't remember i mean did you uh i I didn't see anything about specifically he was dying to go to new york it seemed more like that was yeah it was just it was a bigger deal there it was just the cartoon industry was flourishing in new york but yeah had already lived that part of his life and he was ready for Something different. Sunny California. Yeah. So, (laughs) the Disney Brothers studio has been created, and using a $500 loan from their uncle and a check from Winkler Pictures, the brothers rented an office space. It was a room in the back of McRae and Abernathy Holly, Vermont. (laughs) Reality. Reality. So, at 40... At 4651 Kingswell Avenue. And on January 19th, 1924, employee Kathleen Dollard, who's one of their first employees, she helped her friend Lillian Bounds apply for an inking job. Do you know who Lillian Bounds is, Josie? (laughs) Um, I do, Sam. I really do. She's going to be uh, very important. Yeah, I literally put my hands on my hips and tilted my head. <laughs> I have but my then hands I, like, on my thighs and I'm leaning into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, we if you don't this. know who yeah. Lillian Bounds is, you will if you keep listening. Please tune into all the episodes of these podcasts. But I'm um, shameless. Yeah. Plug. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, oh gosh. yeah, so. They have uh, so February. Walt and Roy convinced Ham Hamilton, a former employee and animator, uh, former yeah former employee from a you know previous company, to come join them. And within a few months, there were four employees working for the Disney Brothers Studio. And once iWorks joined as an animator, this is when we started thinking about directing and story development. <laughs> In 1924, ten Alice shorts were made. 
1925, Winkler Pictures wanted two shorts a month. And this was encouraged by Winkler's fiance, Charles Mintz. So Charles Mintz, um, I don't really know what the deal quite was because it seemed like Winkler, she was doing this on her own, or I guess part of her family's studio, I guess. But Charles, they seemed to get together and he kind of just took the reins. And I always thought that was very weird. Like, I understand, like, I, I understand him getting a job, but why would he take her job? I mean, unless it was, I don't know, uh-huh. you know, con- conforming to 1920s of marriage and having a baby. Like, yeah. So uh, Walt was, he was starting to gain a little bit of fame and he was appearing in like sp- uh, small segments and magazines, periodicals, things like that. There was one uh, piece published that said that at 24, Walt Disney was, and this is a quote, one of the youngest directors and producers in the film business. At 24. Yeah, 24. <laughs> that's that's my age. What am I doing? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and we got to the midlife crisis of our episode, guys. <laughs> Wait, midlife? <laughs> I well, mean, quarter, I, I like, like, <laughs> Uh, Taylor Tomlinson quarter life. life. Yeah. Uh, Just a, a crisis. crisis. <laughs> One of many. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the t- the times were different. Yes. I mean, he was also getting married to, um. <laughs> I don't know if we said this name before. Uh, but, Lillian um, Bounds. Lillian Bounds. <laughs> yes. So uh, yes, the- they, in spring of 1925, Roy married Edna Francis she, who was uh, an assistant at the office, or she was assisting the office. And Ruth Disney, uh, their sister, joined the studio as an inker until 1926. So by the way, an inker, I don't think I said it, the, an inker is someone that kind of, they kind of just go over the drawings with thicker ink to just make it, mm-hmm. you know, thicker and not like, kind of like when you uh, trace something and it comes off a lot lighter and it should yeah. be, you just go over it again, essentially, is the job. Uh, in a nutshell, where neither of us are animators, so feel free to correct us. Feel free. Um, and on July 13th, 1925, Walt married Lillian Bounce. Who? Lily Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they had two daughters, and this is not an uplifting note, but after the Lindenberg kidnapping... <laughs> They made a point of keeping them out of the public eye. Like a <laughs> strong point. That makes sense. It, yeah. Um, but that obviously was later. That was <laughs> so, later. Yeah. So the Alice comedies were, they were still coming and they were still going really strong. Mm-hmm. And up until 1927. What? Yeah. More, or uh, before that, but they were, <laughs> yes. But, uh, sorry, uh, so anything in Alice, everything was um, everything was kind of unrehearsed with Walt directing. If they were outdoors, they used whatever they could they could use. Like their uncle, like Uncle Roberts, they used his yard a lot or vacant lots. And they were thinking of getting a bigger studio that included a soundstage. And they eventually did get one on Hyperion Avenue in Los Angeles. But in December of 1925... <laughs> The Disney brothers were, the, the studio was really finding it difficult to make 
make deadlines that Mince was pushing on them. And they, Walt was really feeling kind of his creativity was getting thwarted because Mince wanted him one way and obviously Disney yeah. wanted it another way. And he even like, for example, he switched out the actress that played Alice. So it was Virginia Davis and he switched it to Margie Gay, who apparently was problematic, <laughs> which is literally, I have that in quotes. Like that's what it said. She was not apparently I was not there. She was, she was apparently but... just kind of more difficult to work with. Um, and, but it actually, it, it didn't even really matter because Alice, the Alice cartoons were getting pushed to the side anyway. Um, so yeah. in January, 1926, the studio on Hyperion street was finished. And this was the Walt Disney studios. And they would go on to create 31 more Alice shorts until August 1927. And they, and this was the end of Alice, but the birth of something else. So the birth, the birth of, something. of something else. Yeah. It's coming out of the whole, a whole hint. Anyway, I don't know if that, that works. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, as Walt was feeling, wait, no, that makes it more confusing. Oh, Okay. We're talking about Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. I'm thinking, <laughs> we're, talk- we're talking about Oswald. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm like, wait, mice live in holes in the wall. So, well, as according <laughs> to Disney. So, like, what do rabbits live? Also holes in the ground? Anyway. Okay. Same holes, different locations. I'm realizing all of my knowledge on the types of holes animals live in is coming from Disney, cart- Disney like Cinderella or Winnie the Pooh. Huh. <laughs> okay not from personal experience not anyway. from personal experience yeah. so uh, yeah uh, August 1927 was the end of Alice and as Walt was already feeling like limited to the Alice cartoons and around this time Mintz decided he was he was just done and wanted something else and he was in negotiations with Universal Pictures to give them a new character and the only requirement it couldn't be a cat because there was another uh julius the cat was a really famous uh cartoon character at the time so they just didn't want it to be a cat so walt sent them ideas for a rabbit character and an agreement was signed on march 4th 1927 for 26 animated shorts of the character oswald the lucky rabbit wow what a lucky and rabbit. disney yeah Disney and his team made the first short and no one liked it. So <laughs> Mince, uh, well, he, Mince wasn't thrilled with the look of Oswald. And so Walt redesigned him and he wanted, the thing is he, uh, he really wanted uh, Oswald to have a personality because apparently um, like according to Roy, uh, Roy E. Disney. So Walt's nephew he apparently said that at that point, at that point, cartoons were more about like the the jokes came more from the gags as opposed to the character themselves. You know, yeah. like like running into a wall or you know things like that. And so he really wanted to give Oswald a personality, which was really at the time very it was considered really groundbreaking. Yeah, and Walt had been attempting this even with the Alice shorts. And but, but so by 1928, Mintz was making deals with 
a lot of Walt's animators behind Walt's back, mind you, yes. to start a new studio to keep making the Oswald shorts, but out without Disney, without Walt Disney. So mm. essentially, <laughs> Walt Disney's first distributor got married, the husband took over, and then got wanted to get rid of Walt and just keep all the animators. Like, yeah, essentially, that's exactly what happened. What a jerk a move. A very jerk move, but... Um, well, so on February 2nd, <laughs> 1928, Mint signed a three-year contract with Universal to keep making Oswald shorts without Disney. And Walt wanted a bigger budget for each short, and Mintz wanted to decrease the budget. And he did offer, he did make an offer to Walt and to and to Roy to he'd like he'd take over the company, and Walt and Roy would get uh, stipends. But you know, Walt said no. Like <laughs> he didn't want to just get money; he wanted to yeah. do work. Where's the fun in that? And ultimately, Universal owned Oswald. And Walt lost most of his animators due to, like, the secret deals. And I he did kind of go to New York kind of trying for one last, like, he, he I, think, I think he thought he could find a way out of this. But it yeah. all just kind of, Mintz kind of took all of his employees and Oswald with them. <laughs> and, well, and so on the way back, well, there's actually there's a lot of yeah. speculation on this. Um, there's this common theory that, oh, on the train ride back, which is when he came up with mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse. And, but apparently, you know, not necessarily. Like, there, there's various, he might have, like, mice were seen a lot in the Alice shorts. And apparently he did have a fascination mm-hmm. with mice. So what, how exactly he came up with Mickey Mouse, it makes sense why he picked a mouse and how he came up with him. But if he was on the train ride, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I actually, I read this one, I read this one article. I think it was Neil Gabler, who was going to, who I'm going to mention later. He wrote Walt Disney's biography. And apparently he was like, he said that at this point though, while the biggest thing that the scariest thing was that he had to completely start over. Yeah. You know, no one, uh, the actually, well, iWorks was still with him, which was nice, but um, everyone else was gone. <laughs> and Roy, nice. obviously, but everyone else was gone. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he did come up with, and there is also speculation because, like I said, uh, iWorks and him did eventually have a falling out. And there mm-hmm. is a little, again, more speculation, but so I think, so what I kind of think it, happened is that Walt came up with Mickey, iWorks designed him or at least revised him like Walt drew him and then iWorks just kind of smoothed it out to to make him easier to animate and I guess they, because they did fall out, some think it was maybe because of because of this, like he wasn't getting the credit he deserved and whatnot, but he did, but he did, he did. They're, they're both created Disney. They both created Mickey, I mean. They, yeah. And, yes. <laughs> and Walt's first thought was to name Mickey was Mortimer Mouse. <laughs> and his wife, Lily, talked him out of it and suggested Mickey. To, which was the good call. It was a, <laughs> it's a mouthful. Mortimer is, <laughs> it's not even a mouthful. It's just, 
it's just, I don't know. I think I'm mixing it up because I'm thinking of, there, isn't there a Mortimer character? Um, there is, like, that uh, one guy who tries to steal, like, Minnie, and I think... Minnie? He's... He's super tall and creepy. Yeah, like, tall, lanky, really weird he's, for... He's like the... He's like the Waligi of, <laughs> of, of Disney. It is. The tall, skinny, like, anti-Mickey. Mm-hmm. I think... I, I may be really wrong, but I think he went under Mortimer. I mean, it doesn't matter because there's Minnie and Mickey are soulmates, so... <laughs> well, they were literally made for each other. Ah! So... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny because they were they were drawn together. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, oh, I can't wait to get into this. Like, we're gonna stop here for Mickey Mouse, but we're gonna talk so deep into this. Like, everything about Mickey gets mm-hmm. so fun in my opinion. Oh yes, I think it oh, gets yes. really really fun. There's not a single and- time where you think this is gonna go bad. It only gets better. Yeah, no, and especially since, again, he, I mean, who knows really what was going through his head during all these times other than the betrayal and (laughs) losing all his employees and losing his company. But, like, he, you know, created this character who he had no idea was going to last as long as he like he's mickey is probably one of i don't know one of the oldest cartoon characters i would assume it yeah like like it, it not even just like oh it's still like like he's every oh god yeah it's, no it's, he's groundbreaking mickey's like the, mickey's like an ipod like i'm so, what? you know like that <laughs> i mean in the sense of or something ground not an ipod i apple let's say like it's that groundbreaking like oh yeah and it's still lasting. It's still timeless. It is very timeless. Um, so, yeah, he decided to call him Mickey. And, again, this is another quote. According to an employee, uh, I dis- I designed Mickey's physical appearance, but Walt gave him his beautiful. soul. And I'm like, that's so sweet. Absolutely <laughs> that's, yeah, beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, so, uh, contrary to popular belief... <laughs> Uh, go ahead, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Steamboat Willie was not the first short that Mickey was in. Uh, Walt created two. One was called Plain Crazy, and the next was called uh, Galloping Guacho. Gotcho. Gotcho. <laughs> I, I, for a, sp- I knew, I realized you were correcting me for, a, but a split second, so you're saying like, got you, like, got like, you, I got you, don't yeah. worry, I got you. <laughs> galloping gotcha. Uh, neither neither found distributors. Yep. Nope. So, and this was in 1928. Yeah. And a certain movie came out that year that <laughs> redefined film. It was The Jazz Singer, which is the first film to ever have synchronized sound. Yes. And because obviously movies have sound we don't think much of it but this is like star wars then (laughs) in terms of that mind-blowing like oh my god silent films Uh, were just a genuine thing (laughs) and yes exactly and walt put together a third short steamboat willie which is the first synchronized cart sound that was a cartoon 
and it pre- it premiered at the New York Colony Theater on November 18th in 1928. And after this, Disney, you know, kept going and he created I would say they're lesser known, the Silly Symphonies. Yeah. Disney hired, yeah, Disney hired on composer and arranger Carl Stalling to improve the music at that but they and they would accompany the picture. And they they created, you know, silly symphonies. It's a bunch of just shorts that are, you know, led by music. Including, I think if you go on, I don't know, because I have so much Disney that pops up on my feed on YouTube, I haven't necessarily watched all of them, but, like, I've seen the pictures, like, the skeleton dance. I think it is a, a gif. Is that a it gif? is a very popular gif. I think everybody's seen that, guys. And then, uh, that was animated by iWorks, and Flowers and Trees was another one that one actually went on to win uh an oscar and disney won his first academy award and around this time walt hired artists who stayed and would eventually become the night old men who are a very famous group of you know artists and designers that walt hired that stayed with him for years and years and are just as much a part of disney as walt was so um like I said, Walt won his first Academy Award in 1932 for Flowers and Trees. And this is what I thought was weird. I had mentioned this to you before we started recording. I had always thought he won 26. And then I saw a site, mm-hmm. and it was the D23 site, because I was, like, you know, doing research for this. It said he won 32. And I'm like, what? I've never seen that number anywhere. And then I just generally just looked up how many Oscars and it said 23. And I was again like, what? So Mm -hmm. he apparently won 22 personal ones. And then he received four honorary ones, such as like creating Mm -hmm. Mickey. He won a, he received an honorary Oscar for that. But like, I was like, and the only thing I can think of is 32 is maybe it's again, 10. It's like 10 different. So I'm thinking, is it a typo or is it that he did win it? 19, he did win it in 1932. <laughs> I just, I had never seen the number 32. I thought 22 was the number I'd seen always. So I am pretty confident mm-hmm. that's 22 plus four honorary. So 26 in total, but 23. Yeah. Personal. 26. Um, yeah. He won, he, actually, he won two Academy Awards for Flowers and Trees and then an honorary one for Mickey. So he won three at his essentially his first his first Academy Awards. And then he won again. Yeah, I know, That's right? Insane. He won again for uh, the Three Little Pigs, which is another silly symphony, I believe. And then yes. he decided he was realizing he was kind of starting to lose interest in shorts and felt that <laughs> in in short films, not the close. Wait, was that what you were laughing no. at? <laughs> No, it's just that uh, this oh. man—he's like I'm bored. Oh. Next, I thought you were laughing. Like he was—he was more interested in jeans, longer pants, not shorts. Okay, I wasn't sure why you were laughing. The style, yeah. Oh, he wasn't California, <laughs> but this was pre—they're all wearing shorts and flip flops everywhere in LA. Those hippies. Yeah. <laughs> um. So in nineteen, this is 1934, and he felt that features were a lot more profitable. And he began the four-year endeavor of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which is another movie that also changed 
cinema. Um, the start. Yes. And especially many thought it wasn't going to work and they thought the company was going to go bankrupt, which yeah. is crazy. Like, first of all, I think the thought of it not working is just so insane because I mean, yes, he was doing, he probably would have had, if he kept just doing shorts, he would have had a, probably a very decent mm-hmm. career. Uh, and I feel like, this would be like a person that you maybe talk about one day in your film class or in your animator class, but not, you know, it would just be like, but it would just be like, we're going to talk about Walt Disney, but, uh, he, he created, he, you know, created, you know, it wouldn't be as big a deal. But like I said, he felt that this was more profitable. He thought that this was obviously (laughs) the right path to choose. And clearly it was because it premiered December 21st, 1937 Snow White came out and it was so really successful with audiences and critics and it became the most successful film of 1938 and Disney earned another honorary Oscar and he and seven mini ones <laughs> like the dwarves I That's love so that cu- yeah That's so cute so technically eight yes <laughs> but I mean I'm just so curious like that's like that's just so they had to make tiny oscars i'm looking at i have like an oscar i mean it's not it's kind of an oscar keychain that i got like on hollywood boulevard it was probably Mm -hmm. like i'm like is it bigger than that i'm really curious about how they're just mini like what define mini like okay uh and this if if you would like to take the wheel josie this led to the golden age of animation yes and the golden age of Disney, actually. Yes. So Disney, I would say as like movies, film, everything goes, there's seven eras of Disney. Yes. And it all started with Snow White. This is the golden age of Disney. It ranged from what? <laughs> it ranged from what? It's the 1937, ni- 1937 to 1942. Now, the Golden Age of Disney, that was very, very early Disney. So obviously Snow White, this is Fantasia, Pinocchio, Dumbo, Bambi. And this is a really funny thing, I think. Because this isn't like fun Disney. Like this is like... No, it is early Disney movies are pretty dark. (laughs) <laughs> it's been a long time since I have watched Snow White, but I, yeah, I remember, I remember watching it when I was like four, like in preschool and looking back, I feel like I wouldn't show Snow White to no. a four-year-old. No. I don't think no. I necessarily had <laughs> nightmares, but I think maybe like an eight-year-old, it, it just, it's, it's not, they're, they're, they're really dark. They're kind of, they're a little bit twisted. I actually, a couple weeks ago, so when we were in our prep for doing this podcast, I had found a, it's on Spotify. I recommend it. It's like called, it's like the world of Disney and it's like music that oh, plays uh-huh. at the I, park. And so it's, it's like a nice like mood lifter, essentially. <laughs> And one, there's one for, one of them is, it's either the Pinocchio ride or just for Pinocchio. I don't remember, but I was listening to it 
and I suddenly felt <laughs> this intense, overwhelming anxiety knowing I had to watch Pinocchio because a couple years ago, I, I a couple years ago, I was at Disneyland with my family and we went on the Pinocchio ride and I, I've been away on that ride for years and I'm on it and I'm like, this movie <laughs> is messed up. Also, the ride's, also, also the ride is backwards, but this movie is messed up. Like, it's so heavy and yeah. it, it won like two Oscars, which is pretty impressive, but I'm still, I thought it was four for some reason and then I double checked. I don't know why I thought four, but anyway, it won like two Oscars and but I suddenly just felt so overwhelmed knowing I had to watch it. But I've been, and which was crazy because I've been wanting to watch it. But I got so stressed out because it's, yeah, these are the, it's the golden age of animation, yet it's very dark. So dark. And so dark. I do think there are, I mean, I do think there are some heavier themes that come as Disney progresses. But the golden age, it's just, it's, uh, it's just, yeah, it's a heavy, it's a heavy age of Disney. It's interesting. A hundred percent. It's also known as like tar and sugar era, which I oh, think I fits heard that. perfectly. Yeah. I haven't heard that. Really? That's, that is an interest. I have not heard. Interesting. That is a way, that is a, that is accurate. It is, is extremely, accurate. it is very accurate. Like, and I think also what's like last thing about this, uh, era of disney like the very beginning is that most of them were like kind of duds for the time yeah snow uh not uh i don't think snow white wait was snow no snow white didn't count this because notes? it was like the first snow one, white was successful but everything snow else white was, successful, was yeah. like bad yes yeah yes yes uh pinocchio and fantasia which they had been in they they started working on those like towards the end of snow white or at least pinocchio yeah. And they, again, Fantasia won an honorary Oscar. Pinocchio won two, but neither did that well at the box yeah. office. And and uh, even, like, Sleeping Beauty, for example, that, I think it, like, was, it, it did not, it was successful, but I thought it was that it had didn't do well at the box office, which I think it didn't do as good as it probably could have. I, you know, we'll do more research when we get there, but that was one of the, that was kind of for Walt Disney, the last fairy tale movie. He didn't really want to do any after yeah. that, which is why we have the, in the, you know, a later era, <laughs> there are not a lot of fairy tales yeah. in that era. Uh, if, yeah. But after the golden age. Yeah. So these, uh, well, Bambi, wait, was, did Bambi? Bambi uh, couldn't Bambi have been a flop. Bambi was not a flop. Dumbo was. But, uh. That's funny because the live action. Was also no, we're not going to talk about this. I didn't see it, but I just saw that it yeah. didn't do as well as yeah. you would have thought. But I, I have no opinion on <laughs> but, that um, movie. But anyway. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Bambi did do really well. But like the thing with these is that we have to remember the time frame. This was war. <laughs> this was going into war. Well, yes. So people were like yes. not and, happy. Mm -hmm. They weren't really wanting to spend money. <laughs> they weren't really in the mood for yeah, um, a movie. <laughs> which actually, yeah, so our following the Golden Age was the wartime era because it was during World War II. And it was interesting because during this time, Walt was, he was making a lot of like propaganda shorts that had Donald Duck in them. And yeah. he did. 
which is a controversy. Do you want to, I, uh, what's, what's the, I mean, I'm sure there was, but what's the controversy? I don't know what the controversy is. <laughs> oh, that like, uh, well, like, um, this was mostly where people, I think maybe would have insinuated more of like the, oh, you wanted to bring this up that Walt was like anti-Semitic oh. and that he was, had very strong feelings towards one side of the war or he was very, you know, poking fun at one side of the war. Yeah, he did. And- uh, that's that's interesting. He did uh, make he what he did become more conservative as he got older, and he did eventually adjo- uh, join the Republican Party. He was a Democrat for a long time, and he even testified if for I for uh, not not Congress. It was the House of. Un- on American committee that that thing during the red scare, he testified that two of his previous animators were communist agitators. He, mm-hmm. he, he got very, uh, he was, he, he was, he was definitely political. Um, not, I don't think he intended to, it just, that's the way the he, you know, the world changed. And so did he. Yeah. But he but, also, sorry, sorry, really good. I keep no, cutting you off. <laughs> sorry. No, you're good. Go. <laughs> He did win an Oscar during this era for, I don't remember if it was a short or a, a, a full length. I think it was a full length. It was called Der Führer's Face. So like the Führer's Face, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And he won, yeah, won an Oscar for that. Uh, I had never heard of that until I. I have no idea, actually. I don't think that, I don't think any of these eras, I don't think the wartime era, any of these pieces in this era are going to be on Disney+. Plus. Um, uh, <laughs> wrong. Wait, <laughs> wait <laughs> but, what? Yeah, so you have the three caballeros and Iqbad and Mr. Toad. Okay, I mean, I mean, yeah, but I mean the propaganda stuff. No, no propaganda. That's what I mean. Um, I uh, mean, they might do that yeah. thing where they're just like, this is a reflection of the time. Um, it's funny. In one of our classes in college, it was the, like, history cinematic arts class and we were talking about we were talking about a little bit about this and our good our good friend kevin tracy i remember he was literally sitting next to me and he was saying he's like yeah there was some like walt disney made these like propaganda pieces with with he meant to say donald duck and nazis but instead again this was 20 Oh. 16. He said Donald Trump <laughs> and Nazis. And the whole class started laughing. <laughs> He's like, I met Donald Duck. I mean, I mean, we all knew what he meant, but it was still like, ha-ha-ha-ha. Like, no comment. Uh, not, <laughs> yeah, it was just very like, <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah, Nazis suck. Anyway. <laughs> that's a perfect (laughs) way to move on um well after the war there was the silver age the silver age was 1950 to 1959 this included many classics as cinderella peter pan peter pan lady and the tramp sleeping beauty jungle book like some some classics here and the main thing about this is it's also known as the Restoration Age. Hmm. And this is the big budget full-length films that we know Disney to be. This is... Because, yeah, he started making more money. He was getting 
very, I mean, he was already, he was very reasonably successful with uh, Alice and Oswald. And then this just, he just blew up. That makes sense. I, I love the Silver Age. I really do. Yeah. it's very beautiful. It's beautiful. It's we'll get it. We'll Peter Pan's one of my Peter Pan and Sleeping Beauty are both a favorite of mine. Sleeping Beauty, especially because yes, I had realized. I mean, we'll get into it when we we will get there for sure. But um, we will get there. But uh, but especially between Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, because Cinderella was 50, 1950, Sleeping Beauty was fifty nine. And for a long time, I thought Sleeping Beauty came first because the um, animation's very different. The animation for Cinderella is between, in terms of the princesses, between Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella is uh, very, like, lightly colored, whereas, like, like uh, Snow White is, I don't want to say it's, it's not as bright, and that is partly with age, yeah. uh, in terms of, like, actual color, whereas Cinderella, it's a little lighter, and then Sleeping Beauty, the the art direction in that movie is so gorgeous. Oh my gosh, yes. There is no there is no Disney movie that looks 100%. like that. There is not one Disney movie that looks like that. And I I'm sure there's people will find some kind of controversy with that movie. I love that movie so much. It's so um it's so underrated and gorgeous and in in oh, yeah. every way. And yeah, like the Silver Age, I feel like, yeah, because Golden Age was just, that was the first time they were getting full-length animated films, whereas the Silver Age were getting kind of like... Stories. Yes. I mean, I mean, there were stories in, in Golden Age, but they were a lot heavier. Yeah. And this is a lot lighter. <laughs> it was a lot lighter, but also a lot like... It was a lot... I'm trying to think of the word for it. Like, yeah, the story was a lot sharper yeah and stronger um yeah i i'm i'm a sucker for the silver age and i mean something pivotal happened in the middle of it sam i think you're well aware of what happened between 1950 and 1959 i i'm spacing yours i feel something like the pressure wait hang on oh 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 wait no i know what it is it's in my notes (laughs) Oh boy, sorry, I felt the pressure. Uh yes, half in the 50s during the Silver Age. So Walt Disney stepped away from animation. He was still present at story meetings, but he he primarily left it up to the nine old men. And after the Silver Age, it kind of showed. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh anyway, uh but primarily because during this time he wanted to create a theme park. And after a couple of, he, you know, traveled to a couple other theme parks for inspiration. Disneyland opened July 17th, 1955. <sighs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. I felt the pressure when you said something <laughs> happened in the silver age. I'm like, what? What happened? <laughs> and then I was looking through my notes <laughs> And I saw Walt stepped away from animation. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I looked and saw my headline for it was Disneyland. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we will all forgive Sam. We have all been there. I put the notes. I have to She knew down, okay? the pressure was just on her. It's okay. But 
If you said what happened, wait, did did you say what happened in 1955? No, I just said something pivotal happened between 1950 and 1950. That was pivotal. That was, that was pivotal. So I will, (laughs) I, I, I. We will give you a slap on the wrist and Um, continue on. (laughs) But following this, uh, well, Disneyland was flourishing. We'll get into that though. Um, There was the Bronze Age. Now the Bronze Age is very interesting, I would say. I will say this, um, we, every, everybody, whether you realize it or not, every person, every person has a favorite in the Bronze Age. You may not realize it, but you do. Yes. Uh, my fate, I, my, I love Aristocats is probably my favorite of that era. It was, yeah, Aristocats. Um, so, and yeah, Aristocats, I think 101 Dalmatians, um, and and the most, the probably the most taboo Disney film ever, Black Cauldron. It was stuff like that. It was, yes. It's, it's an interesting era because I mean we'll we'll get to it more when we get there. But Walt Disney had passed away just before this time. Uh, Jungle Book was the last film he worked on, and yeah, the the animation was different. The the stories were very different. It's, 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 I won't say, I will, it's a, it is the, called the Bronze Age, but it is a great era of Disney. Don't let that, you know, yeah, make you is. not want to read. It's and the foundation for Disney's future. Like, you didn't realize because, it then, yes. but it, it was the start oh. of the rest. Yeah. Um, I believe it was, they weren't, they were some of these movies, which are popular now, again, didn't do, some of them didn't do as, weren't as successful and didn't do so hot. And I believe it was The Rescuers, ironically, if that movie, I had read that, I because I, I've read a couple of these things and I'm not sure what, mm. which is accurate, but I didn't come up, it didn't come up for this. Uh, but, because I was, I was looking more at just Walt Disney, but uh Apparently, I had read that if Jungle Book failed, that would have been the end of Disney, which that doesn't quite yeah. make sense because uh, their success, they were already so successful. Like, I don't think that one flop is going to hurt you. But then I had also heard that the Rescuers was ironically saved Disney because if if that wasn't successful, it prob- might have been the end. But also it showed that they are capable of yeah, telling that- good stories without... Walt Disney, but I think that they were capable sh- telling good stories. Yeah, it, it's just it's, it's just it's an very interesting, interesting period. It's a really interesting period. Like a like Aristocats, I think is a really great story, it's a really solid my story. My favorite, my favorite out of this. But yeah, and uh, I remember a couple years ago. Again, uh, our friend Kevin and I we watched Black Cauldron because it's such a taboo movie and we wanted to like i had seen it as a kid but it was like obviously it's also it's it's considered taboo because it's very creepy like it's way darker than i mean you would think it comes from this golden age because it's a very dark film and we were watching it and it's not that great (laughs) but also the animation style changed like a few times like there were a couple (laughs) times it looked like Aristocats because Aristocats yeah. looks like a painting. 
And this, it, there was a couple times just everything looked like Aristocats. It was so weird. And then after that, everybody, we all, we all ended up watching Aristocats, <laughs> which was like, which is a much, I think a much better movie. But yeah, uh, whether you realize it or not, Bronze Age, you have a favorite in it, whether you realize it or not. You do. And then comes... And if yeah. you don't, watch all of them. And... And you will then realize you have a favorite. And then this is the following era, probably probably the most famous and game-changing era, other than the Golden Age, the Disney Renaissance. Oh, gosh. Sam, <sighs> this... This podcast episode, when it eventually gets there, is going to be a whirlwind of emotions. Oh boy. For, oh boy, yeah. For most who don't realize what the Disney Renaissance is, let me just name a few names. Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Little Beauty Mermaid. and the Beast. <laughs> Little Mermaid. Like, it was a, yeah, it was, I think it's because like by this, they brought it, I'm just brought in new people, mm-hmm. like Alan Menken, uh, Howard Ashman, Tim Rice, different, you know, it was just a group of new, which is what Disney every once in a while, they'll do that. They'll, they'll, they'll use like, like Frozen, for example, they use completely different people than they had in the last couple yeah. movies. And it was just, uh, obviously it was a major success. Like it's like they shake it up a little bit and usually it works usually. really well. So the, 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 the Renaissance was a, a game changer, but also because it was an era that, you know, was meant for kids and adults. Yes. Because most of these, I mean, most of these anime, most of these were, you know, they're targeted. Well, I mean, they were always meant for kids and adults. And like Disneyland itself mm-hmm. was meant for kids and adults. And that's the goal. That was, you know, Walt Disney's overall goal. But the thing about the Renaissance, especially, and I think Aladdin was especially the game changer was because, you know, Robin Williams, like all, like the audience, of course, and like adults are getting all laughing at all these jokes in these, you know, so it, it was a, yes, it's probably my, obviously, I don't know. I think this and the silver age are probably my favorite eras. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's a hard choice. I think visually the silver age will take it Mm -hmm. because it's just so classic, but I think sound wise, this is, what peaked my Broadway obsession. Yes. This yes. is musical theater at its finest, whether you accept it or not. If you have seen any movie in this, you are supporting musical theater. Most of these, a lot of these actors were Broadway stars. They, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, Susan uh, Egan or Egan, I'm not sure how to say her last name. She was the voice of Meg and Hercules but she originated Belle on Broadway. Broadway, yeah. Twist, twist. What a twist. Crisscross. <laughs> Crisscross. <laughs> so after the Disney Renaissance, we had the post-Renaissance. So this was the 2000s through 2009. This is also so things like, fun. This is also, this is, this is more of a fun this is era. This very fun era. And you, and we kick it off with Emperor's oh, New Groove. Great, great. Sorry, the, yeah. We have Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> Chicken Little. Mm-hmm. Like, Atlantis. I mean, <laughs> Chicken Little. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, and um, anyway, yeah. It's just and the, the main thing about the post Renaissance is uh, dinosaur. And I think that one gets looked over a lot. Oh, but 
Is that a good movie? I thought that was a bad movie, but it's been it's, a year since I've seen it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, I know it but wasn't that it was in terms of I, Disney's future mixing traditional animation and CGI. This oh, was yeah. where, you know, the test dummy for it. And for its time, if you're giving it its mm-hmm. good graces, yeah, amazing. it's been. I, I remember one. I remember the main dinosaur freaking out about something, and that is all I remember of that movie. It has been such <laughs> a long time. I, it's been so many years since I've seen that movie. It's been so long. In terms of post Renaissance, I I mainly probably spent my time the most watching Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so after the post Renaissance is the, the the seventh era is the revival, which is what we're in right now. Yes, and that got that kicked it off with Princess and the Frog, which technically came out in two thousand nine. So actually, it came out technically in the end of the post Renaissance, mm-hmm. but it was because it was a new Disney princess, which we hadn't had in uh, over a decade, and was. You know, it was the last, it was the last, like, you know, hand-drawn type of movie. Like, I I think it definitely, it it definitely belongs in the revival era. And the revival era is also, like, the animation change because Disney bought Mm -hmm. Pixar. And so, and they just started, they kind of started making more fairy tales. And it's obviously been very successful. Oh, yeah, it's insane how successful this was and is actually like um yes from yeah when doing research and stuff when uh let's see like big hero 6 released in 2014 it had a 93 percent like audience rated like everyone liked it it's a great i love big hero 6 i love this so much movie. like and i mean yeah well deserved 93 percent like, this is the yeah. highest audience-rated film of the era so far. Really? Yes, still. Like, like higher, than, higher than Frozen? Higher than Frozen, still. What? Oh, dope! I mean, not that I don't... I do love Frozen, but I really love... I think Frozen... Yeah. Like, I think Frozen caps at, like... They're in the 90s. They're not far off. I think, like, Frozen got, like, 91% or something like that. Yeah. But Big... But also, Big Hero 6... Because Frozen was, you know, that fairy fairy tales, and not everyone's into Disney princesses yeah. and fairy tales, but everyone can get behind a marshmallow style robot. <laughs> everyone can and get the, behind and and a Marvel Disney hybrid yes. movie. Oh my like, god, Stanley! Uh, oh my god, yeah. I I remember we like we, I every Marvel movie I forget that there's going to be a Stanley cameo. It seems like every time I don't know why I always seem to forget it, and then he's like, oh. There he is. And I don't think anyone expected it for Big Hero 6. And again, and there, there he was. He was. <sighs> um, so yeah, we are currently in the revival. Welcome. And yeah, so they're, so it's, yeah, it, the fact that he start Walt Disney unknowingly with the golden age just started this, like, you know, it, it, like epic or dynasty of, 100%. of filmmaking. And this isn't even just, and this isn't even just, filmmaking in general this is specifically one company that's insane like um yeah like uh, so you know snow white obviously was a huge huge success 
and kicked off this, uh, basically this just chain of events that would become what we know as Disney. Um, and as we said, Pinocchio and Fantasia weren't as successful due to World War II. And yeah, and World War II definitely, I think, you know, yeah, it, it, it put the, it put the company in a little bit of a different direction. He, you know, started making like, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, the propaganda films with Donald Duck and they're also, he did war bond promotions and he also started the Walt Disney training films unit. And it was like instructional movies for the military. Um, so anyway, and you know, like the park was successful and things were going really great. And then in, on December 15th, 1966, Walt Disney passed away from a circulatory collapse due to his lung cancer. And he was diagnosed earlier, a couple weeks before, and he was a really, really heavy smoker. And he was diagnosed in November of 1966. And he actually died 10 days after his 65th birthday. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I guess, yeah, I'll say fun fact. All pretty much any picture of him and why at Disneyland, whenever they're pointing anywhere, they hold two fingers up. And it's because in all these pictures of Walt Disney, he's holding, using two fingers to point. When in reality, the reason he had two fingers was because he was holding a cigarette. And they've since cut that out because smoking's bad. Don't smoke. Because smoking's bad. Yeah. And um, so his ashes were spread on the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale in Again, Glendale, California, and including uh, Jungle Book and The Happiest Millionaire, which were the last films he was a part of. He had produced 81 films. 81 films. And in 1968, Winnie the Pooh and The Blustery Day won an Academy Award, and he obviously won this award uh, posthumously. And yeah, it's, it's, that's (laughs) you know that's that's always nice like that's good yeah he had a long career long life and he yeah (laughs) i actually though did a little more research and i kind of have some myths and facts that i want to debunk yes let's let's talk about i think just fun just let's just talk about what we talked about his life now let's just throw it out there sam keep keep talking about just keep talking about him just no timeline so, now just free talk mm-hmm. so walt disney was he anti-semitic because that's a pretty known thing it seems like everyone's like oh yeah, yeah he was super anti-semitic uh we all know and we we've talked about this a little i had always thought like that's really weird because we all know it yet we kind of ignore it a little bit like i mean whilst i mean what is there to at this point what is there to say about it and i thought that was like weird but then i realized the fact that it wasn't like first of all i think part of that is because as kids you don't know this as a kid you're you're not aware of I, i don't i don't you know and i think my first indicator was an snl sketch like 10 plus years ago when Zac Efron hosted SNL uh, doing, he was during promotion for, do you remember the movie 17 again? Yes, I do. Yeah. It was like after high school musical. 
And the sketch was he goes back to East High to tell everybody, hey, guys, no one sings in real life. No one sings in college. I just remember the joke of I was sad at night and I was singing. People can hear you. Everyone can hear you. Um, But the joke at the end was Walt Disney comes out and he's like, and it's saying he's wet because they're like, I thought you were frozen. He's like, well, science says global warming, but I think it has something to do with Jews. And I was like, what? I had never, I was like, what? And then I showed my friend who happens to be Jewish and (laughs) she didn't get it either. Like we were, I didn't show it to her because of that. I just, we were watching it and we either. And I think a couple years later I found out and I was like, Oh, and that joke made more sense to me. But anyway, um, apparently there's not a ton of evidence that supports that. There's a, it's a lot of speculation um so neil uh gabler or gabler and producer sarah colt they they did research because he what uh neil gabler was his biographer and he read a lot of walt's personal papers and he said that there wasn't a lot of evidence other than he said casual anti-semitism which you know in the 30s 40s was really common uh doesn't necessarily make it okay but like i was like okay and then sarah colt she created a uh pbs like a four-part documentary on disney and she said she also couldn't really find a ton of evidence so she didn't really mention it in the film and so he might have been like he might have been but it wasn't as you know out you know out loud and obnoxious as we all seem to think it was yeah i think it's um, I think everyone is kind of guilty of it at some point. Where yeah, you're kind of yeah. Like, eh. like you make a joke or you have so, a thought yeah, that yeah. isn't necessarily all the way thought out. <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. you know you feel bad. There is guilt, but um, like to combat that um myth, I would suppose there there was a lot of people who came forward and said that Walt was just that they never experienced that firsthand. Like people who were Jewish or of a different um, ethnicity or anything that they said, like Walt always treated me with respect. Like the thing with Walt was that he was very attracted to driven people. And if you showed that he loved you, like that, that was the main thing. It was mm-hmm. just like, so he yeah. was just everyone on his team. Um, I think he had like the main, like I think to aid that myth was that he put a Jewish person, like head of like a major, um, I totally I have it somewhere in my notes, but um, he made they made him like a major part of like his company, like the the head of <laughs> something, and people were just like he just did that for the rumors, and they're like, no, he did it because he said I'm the yeah. best at it, <laughs> or both. <laughs> I mean, or it could have been both. Like either way, he either way if he was the best, either way if he was the best, which I'm sure he probably was the best, which is um great <laughs> but also there is a um they think some of this stems from a there was a time where he gave a tour to uh i don't know if it's lenny or L- lena uh ref Refenstall? i didn't i didn't write i some of the words and like the names in this i like spelt out so i couldn't pronounce it right i didn't for this name <laughs> um sorry uh 
but she was a documentarian of the Third Reich. So, yeah. And she apparently, like, appreciation, tried to show him one of her films of the 1936 Olympics that were held in Germany, and he said no. But apparently this already kind of tarnished a little bit his reputation because he was, you know, giving a tour to someone who was working with Nazis. So uh, it's, I I will say, I don't really see how at that point him watching a movie would have really <laughs> done any more damage. I, him, you know, in the night, again, the 1930s, this was already associating with a Nazi was, is, you know, so that, that could also be it. Um, again, so if he was, he might very well have been, it just wasn't, uh, as big a deal as we all seem to think it was. But again, I think Yeah, it wasn't like he was out there. Yeah, doing and things. I think but I also along with the fact that we don't know about this as kids, I think we also you know I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh it's okay. Wait, I got it. Okay. Uh it also, you know, the time period, which is a really dumb excuse, but it's a necessary one. It is it is a necessary one. It's a it's a stupid excuse, but like obviously that would never fly today. But if it if it was true, if but you know, regardless of whether he was or he wasn't, he seemed to treat everybody with respect. So it might have been just an internal thing that he was quiet about that he had issues with, but was quiet about. Um, yeah, and I think that's all we can ask. For. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the other um, another myth: so guilt over his mother's death. So apparently, so I think most people know, so Walt bought his mother a house and it had a broken furnace and she died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of his characters in films don't have a mother. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of speculation because like, because uh, apparently like Snow White had already come out when she had passed. Bambi was already well underway. And a lot of these stories are kind of altered fairy tales. And a lot of these characters already don't have yeah. a mother or parents like Cinderella. So it, I mean, he probably has guilt. I can't imagine you wouldn't feel guilty over something like that. And that wasn't his fault. I mean, it yeah. could have gotten checked, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, <laughs> it, it just might not have as, as sad and, beautifully poetic as that would have been it doesn't really it doesn't really seem that plausible that it seeped into his films yeah because most of them were already either finished almost done or it was already gonna be they never had a parent to begin with like it might be that now um from someone else's like yes for you know to keep up with this but intentionally yeah i don't i also Mm -hmm. don't believe that he did that I, I, yeah, I actually believe, I thought that was just a fact <laughs> oh. when I was doing research, and I was like, oh, well, I mean, yeah. okay, yeah, okay, yeah, and I think the most famous one oh, gosh. is, no. was Walt no. Disney Frozen, and no, he was not, <laughs> no, he's not, despite that SNL sketch, no, he was not Frozen, um, <laughs> it's just anything, like, it's my favorite conspiracy. Yeah. But the one that falls through the most. 
So yeah, there the myth is that Walt Disney was frozen in uh uh cryogenics and you know like like a not quite Han Solo style, but you know, just frozen and then be revived eventually mm-hmm. later. And there's myths that his head or his body or his head were are in the Sleeping Beauty castle. No. But you know, that's, that's not true. Um, first of all, that's terrifying. Why are you going to yeah. have someone's head <laughs> at Disneyland unless it's in Haunted ha- Haunted Mansion? But also, um, he apparently, yeah. Walt Disney did show interest in this. And this was starting to, the, the technology was starting, was, was there. And two, a few weeks after he died, the California uh, uh, Cryogenic Society froze their first subject. And like I said, he did show interest. And even the president, I think the former president at the time came out and said he did show interest, but he never set anything up before his death. So, uh, no, he is not frozen. (laughs) Which I'm kind of glad uh, because that'd be (laughs) gross. Yeah. But following that one, following this, this myth, my favorite one is, was Frozen called Frozen to cover up if Walt Disney was frozen. Oh my god, okay, I think I saw that, and I just, I saved it on my, like, watch, my watch later on YouTube, mm-hmm. but that's what that is. Yeah, it's literally, like, Frozen was made <laughs> so that everyone, um, they did, like, a search, like, the YouTube video would probably show this, that when you Google searched Disney's Frozen, they, like, all the searches would be, like, is Walt Disney frozen and under Disneyland? And yes. like would show you a bunch of like articles yes. and things on this um on that topic. But now you can look up Frozen yeah. Disney Disney Fro- like anything to do with that, and you're only going to get Frozen like for pages and, and pages on Google. Yeah, and that that was the big thing. Yes. They were like, we yes. don't want people speculating anymore because maybe it is true, maybe it isn't. It's not. But um, they did that so that um, well, assumed theorized that that's the whole reason behind frozen they made frozen just to, so to, to cover get up rid this. of the search engines yep just to get rid of the search engines <laughs> <laughs> like first off so does anyone know how let me get movies this right <laughs> so disney so actually walt disney did try to create yes. it was yes. snow queen well at some point into his career um, and obviously it didn't happen, but you're telling me, wait, that they named it Frozen? Yes, so that when people searched up, Disney is Frozen, the Walt Disney is Walt Disney Frozen wouldn't pop up, but the movie would pop up. <laughs> I can see that more as like a, that sounds more like a coincidence. Yeah, it's it's more of like a happy perk. I mean, what, I mean, what would us Frozen even be called, like? Snow yeah, Queen? Like, I, it, it, I don't know. I, I think, think it almost... Was it almost? Yeah. Other than like Walt Ice Princess, not, well, not Ice Princess, but like Ice Queen or some play on words of... It is I think better. Frozen's better. I mean, because it's, it's a lot more generic. Because that's the thing is, it's, it's Frozen's interesting because it's like... It's about these... It's about two people. Elsa is a little bit more mm-hmm. of the protagonist... Especially in Frozen Two, but in Frozen, yeah, it's it's equally about Elsa and Anna. As you know, so 
you know, yeah, like, I mean, would it, would it have been appropriate to call it the ice queen or the snow queen? Sure. But I think frozen was because it, it you know, there's multiple it, frozen is a very, is actually very heavy and there's a lot of depth to that movie. So I think frozen was a better title. <laughs> but, but, to, <laughs> but just to get rid of the search engines. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's oh, funny. Um, if they did do it, kudos on them. It worked. Yes. But also, yes. no way they made this entire film to get rid of a Yeah, circle. like, we need to come up with a... Oh, to come up with an entire film? No. To just, just the title, maybe. But the entire film? No way. There's no way. Yeah. Do, do you know, know how, do you know how making a movie works? Like... like I mean, we have, oh, oh, (laughs) yeah, no, um, okay. I think (laughs) uh, one more thing with Walt um, that makes me laugh the most and I think makes me fall in love with everything he is and Disney is, is he was so self-deprecating and insecure. Like this man, like if you see like quotes from him while inspiring like on the disney side obviously he had this whole persona for his like disneyland persona of this charming smiley happy professional man but behind the scenes he mm-hmm. was he hated everything he did he wanted it to be better he thought it could always be better he never felt anything was good enough and i think that's literally all of us yeah that's in- that's funny that you mentioned that um I'll bring this up again, but like Peter Pan, for example, Walt did not like the final version. He felt that Peter Pan, this version of Peter Pan was, he said he thought he wasn't likable and that he seemed very like, almost like a sociopath. And I think that's really funny. Again, I'll get more in depth when we get to Peter Pan, but that's funny because if you go, if if he was alive, if you go on Pinterest there's going to be, a, if you pick on, click on one picture, there's going to be some comments about, I have such a crush on Peter Pan, or I had a crush on him when I was a kid, or like, I told, like, he was my Peter, like, you know, Peter <laughs> Pan for me was my, I didn't, I didn't, I, this is how unoriginal I am. I, he was my imaginary friend. I didn't create like a new, he was my imaginary friend, kind of. <laughs> uh, but like, I think that's just so funny because, I mean, there is this whole debate on Peter Pan you know, mentally, what what is his headspace and is he kind of a sociopath? Because if you have a kid that doesn't age and doesn't, you know, grow up even like mentally, yeah, that's going to affect hmm. you. Like, he, and, and, but <laughs> yeah. like, I thought that was fun to say he's not likable because I think that everyone would disagree with that. I think he's insanely likable. It's just that he's a kid and he's immature and, yeah. you know, but I, that's funny. Um, I thought you were going to say he had this persona and behind the scenes. And I'm like, he was the same way. No, I guess. But I mean, at least he hated it because he thought it could be better. Not like, he hated it because it I sucked. I think people see Walt's success. Yeah. I think people who love Disney, like we do, and hopefully you who are listening to this podcast, you love its failures. Yes. And that's what Walt was. Like he was a failure many many times before he succeeded i think yeah and he never once forgot that there's this great there's this quote that i really love um i don't remember who it's by but it's like essentially it's like if you uh there's like a roadblock 
you don't, you just change your path. You don't, you don't stop trying to get there. Essentially. I, I don't remember. That's not, it's like, that's the gist of it. I don't remember the exact, the whole quote, but like, that's essentially, yeah, he didn't stop, but also he, you know, was still had to make a living and what's he going to do next. And, but the fact that he, he was just simply doing what he loved. You know, there, there wasn't, it wasn't like, which see, that's for me, like, I, there's, you know, work to live or live to work. And I feel like if I, I would rather enjoy, I'd rather make less money and enjoy what I do than, I mean, I know he made a bunch of money, so that's not a good example, but I, it's, I think the bottom line is passion and he loved, you know, he just, I know his last name is Disney, but he is like, you know, in terms of creativity and imagination and the idea that you're never too old. Like, I don't understand if if there's ever a human person that says like, they're not, they were into Disney more when they were a kid. And I do think there are people that kind of, they, yeah, preferred it more when they were a kid, but because you do outgrow things, but the whole point of Disney was that you weren't really meant to outgrow it. It was meant to be. He said, whether you're six or 60, your age is, the age is irrele- irrelevant. It's just about, you know, what you get out of it and the enjoyment you get out of it. Okay, cool. So uh, in the last couple of weeks, there has been a lot of, Disney's announced a lot of stuff in the last couple of weeks. And I'm just like my, like my brain from some of it was like, I was so excited. Um, I'll go with in order of what I, what I heard things. Okay. First of all, they're making a live action Hercules. They, yes, I am beyond excited. I, I will say I really want Little Mermaid to be good because I I wanted to, Aladdin hurt me in a way that. I didn't expect to. So I really, I really hope it's good. I thought it was just funny though, because I went on Twitter and I saw Josh Gad saying, no, I'm not going to be playing Phil. The only person that should be playing Phil is Danny DeVito. And I was like, wait, yes. what? And then I looked it up and yeah, and, and I guess, cause everybody's trying to come up with all these like potential, you know, potentials. Mm-hmm. But what I think is funny is everyone's like, no, Danny DeVito is Phil. And I, I'm like, I mean, yeah, like they got Mufasa for Lion King. I can't imagine unless Danny DeVito didn't want to do it. Like, which I also can't imagine he wouldn't. There's no one better. Yeah. Um, and but what I thought was funny was everyone's trying to get Ariana Grande to be Meg. And I want to know, is it just, is it because I'm 90% sure it's because of her ponytail. Um, it could be because, it could be because she has done Disney, she has done renditions of uh, Zero to Hero and I can't, mm-hmm. I won't say I'm in love, but I was like, is it, I was just very like, why? Like, I mean, I'm sure she'd be fine. I'm just like, it came to me. It seemed very yeah. random. It was very, I think it's more fan based on her side than like Disney's side. Yeah. Cause I don't, I wouldn't mind it. Cause I know she has an extensive one Broadway career and also like acting career. So I think she would be fine, but I would I I would prefer someone else. She No offense at all. Yeah, no offense to her. Um I I'm just maybe it's cuz and she's got a and I'll make her singing voice. 
She has kind of a soft-spoken mm-hmm. voice, which I guess would be funny for Meg because she's so sassy. But, I mean, I don't know. Um, I haven't really thought about visually. I, I'm definitely curious about who would play Hercules. Oh, I only Hades, care like, about the muses. <laughs> oh, I only care no, about fair the enough. muses. Fair enough. I listen, Hercules is probably the soundtrack I listen to, the Disney soundtrack I listen to the most. Maybe even soundtrack I listen to the most. I listen to it all the time. Like, it's... It's it's very it's a it's very different compared to like like cause like Beauty and the Beast or Latin, those are more like musical numbers, whereas because of the muses, it just sounds like a, almost like a regular soundtrack. And uh yeah, so that should be fun. That'll be really fun. Um also so Mandalorian season three is in pre production. Because, you know, quarantine, they're getting a bunch done. <laughs> yeah, it's the perfect time to do things. <laughs> but I'm more surprised I'm like, they're not done shooting, or have they even shot? Because at the same time, I think a few, like a week or so ago, Timothy Oliphant it said it was joining season two. So I'm like, okay, so they're not done shooting, they're just pre- prepping for season three. <laughs> like, might as well, you know, get that done while they have the time. <laughs> it's... I have, I'm like, I've become obsessed with Pedro Pascal after. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> like, yes. he's just himself is adorable and he's a huge dork. There's, uh, you know, when like, you, if it's like wired, they do like celebrities will like read off like what people have searched for them mm-hmm. on Google. And it's him and Oscar Isaac <laughs> because they did a movie together. And there's a couple of questions where, He's like, well, uh, and then he just jumps off his, he like pretends to like malfunction and then jumps off his chair because he doesn't <laughs> want to answer it. Like I, I've become, and I found it was funny because I even saw this like Pedro Pascal uh, reacts to people being, girls being obsessed or in love with the faceless Mandalorian. And I'm like, okay, so it's not just me. It is not just me. That's <laughs> so weirdly super attracted to this guy that we Except for maybe 30 seconds, see his face. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even after seeing, like, it's just... But I find it funny because, so, he is... Pedro, Pedro Pascal is very famous. One of the things... One of... He's very famous for his mustache. And I find it funny that... Which he said he kept the mustache because he was doing a play and yes. he was just about to shoot Narcos. And he... And the creator of Narcos came... Mm-hmm to the play and said yeah keep your mustache and and he just has it still like he just will never get rid of it but i found it funny because in mandalorian i realized later he still has it which i guess you know there wasn't really a need for him to shave it but what i thought was funny was so the mandalorian has to shave to keep his mustache (laughs) like he 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 wants it no one's gonna see it but he wants it this is this is a me thing I never thought about that. And then I started thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, but also season, oh, but also I'm really excited for season two because uh, they are, they've announced that Rosario Dawson's joining as Ahsoka Tano. And Ahsoka Tano is, if anyone watches the Clone Wars, which I highly recommend it. It's so awesome. Uh, I'm, it's really great. And it just really fleshes out the characters that aren't as fleshed out as we'd like them to be in the prequels. Um, uh, it's currently on Disney plus I'm on season four. Currently there's seven. No, there's seven seasons. I'm currently on season four, but, 
Ahsoka Tano is Anakin Skywalker's apprentice and she's just so awesome. And she's really, she's just a really, she's so tough and very determined and a really, really great character. I'm really excited to see her live action um, because we haven't yet. So that'll be really cool. Um, The third and for me, most important, this got announced, uh, or it was last week now, but it'll be like a, couple like two or so weeks when when we release this uh if anyone follows me on social media you know exactly what i'm talking about what author rick riordan announced on twitter and instagram with his wife that they have they are joining forces with disney plus and giving us a a percy jackson series and i'm dead and i'm dead i'm dead i was freaking out and like my friend and i were on the phone like freaking out i i am the biggest percy jackson fan and i just so excited um but it also occurred to me that by the time last olympian comes out i'll probably be like 30 oh. <laughs> it's like, which means if this goes well though we'll get heroes of olympus and we'll get kane chronicles and if you haven't read Percy Jackson, I highly recommend them. They're really fun. And they're just, I mean, Percy Jackson is probably one of my all time favorite, like literary heroes, literary character, like favorites. He's just so sweet and genuine. And he, he's, he's a, I'm, I'm just so excited to see it for real, not the movies. <laughs> so yes, this is, this, I guess is concluding our, very first episode of that good old Disney podcast. Wow. Yay. <laughs> Keep listening. We're obviously going to cover all things Disney and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm so excited. We literally had talked about this and we, we talked about it and was it like, it's been a little over a month, but it's still like pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, it's going to be fun. I hope you guys stay along for this long haul. Or this ride. I'm bringing the bar to me. Wait. I'm bringing the I am bar locking now. it in place. Oh, if it wasn't clear, roller coaster. <laughs> roller coaster. All right. <laughs> I'm holding on. It's pleasantly squishy, but kind of firm. That the bar. Maybe let's just cut this. Out. Let's just cut this out. <laughs> this is too much. And none of this existed, this guys. Pressure. You guys will never this hear this. Pressure. But future Josie in editing, please cut this and send it to Sam immediately. All right, I am Samantha Tomlinson, and I am Justin Ponciano. And thanks for listening. Bye.